emanating from www.michaelnimmons.org. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Michael Eric Dice. Hello there, I'm meteorologist Denise Isaac from WXYZ Channel 7. This is Wayne Braddock, 910 AM. Comedian Horace H.B. Sanders. What's up, H.B.? Hey, what's up, Michael? Hey, <laughs> you're a winner, boy. Look at you, right? You're thinking out loud now. Look at I just end with this. No matter where you go, that's where you'll be. <laughs> yes! And you're listening to this. And I'm thinking out loud with my guy, Mike Nimmons. Make sure you check them out every week on Thinking Out Loud Radio. Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. This is Michael Eric Dyson. And when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. Featuring author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. The show featuring ESPNs and the undefeated vice president and editor in chief Kevin Merida. I have a very, a very inspirational person indeed on the line with us on tonight. This is an interview I've been waiting to do. Catch it on iTunes, Google Play Music, or tune in. Why, why is it called the undefeated? I've always wanted to know that. It's based on a a Maya Angelou quote that really talks about we may suffer many defeats, but we will not be defeated. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Thinking Out Loud Hello and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemes. You're tuned in to the show where we're giving voice to issues that matter to you. And as we say all the time, we have got a great show in store for you. I guarantee it. And this is the Women's History Month edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I, I tell you, we've got a great show in store for you as well as a great interview as well. And uh, I mean, we're just uh, really enjoying this month of March. Can't believe that uh, it's almost gone. We are in the last week of March in the, the in Passion Week, the holiest week of uh, of the year, uh, as we lead up into the Easter celebration coming up this Sunday. So I know many of you are out getting uh, yourself ready and prepped and all kinds of things and getting things ready for the Easter holiday. But we thank you for tuning in 
to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, whether you're listening uh, right at 8 p.m. Uh, or you're listening to the podcast, we appreciate you just the same. In this Woman's History uh, Month uh, edition of the of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, our VIP edition, the very inspirational spotlight edition, as we like to call it, we'll be talking with the former state representative and candidate for the 13th Congressional District, the Honorable Chanel Jackson. I truly admire this young lady's story, her passion, her intellect, and her energy and enthusiasm for what she believes her calling is, and that is to be a lifelong servant of the people. I really enjoyed our interview, and I know you will as well. Remember, the election to fill the vacant seat is scheduled for August the 7th, and there are a number of people that are running for this seat. And I believe it is very important to send the right person to Washington that is knowledgeable and has a proven track record of getting results. This uh, this is the seat that was vacated by the Honorable John Congress, who held it for 52 years. And I think it's so very important that we make sure that we put the right person in that seat. And we'll be sharing with you our interview with the Honorable Chanel Jackson in just a few minutes. Remember to purchase our new book, Vision. It's available online everywhere. Everywhere books are sold online. You can go to our website, michaelnemons.org, to purchase your copy of our newest book, Vision. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, we're going to do a podcast about our book, Vision, very soon. Uh, we're also going to be doing some book signings for our book, Vision uh coming up very soon as well uh, we appreciate those of you who have already purchased a copy of our new book Vision uh, we've been getting testimonies uh, just about every week from someone that has bought our book and is reading it and can't put it down remember it's available in hard copy for the uh, a nominal price of nineteen ninety nine. Uh, or you can get it in digital form for your tablets, smartphones, and other uh, other electronic devices uh, for the nominal fee of $3.99. I guarantee you, this is a book you don't want to put down. Uh, and uh, you can go there everywhere books are sold online and purchase a copy of our new book, Vision. Always remember to stick around for our thought of the week. And let me tell you, we have got a great thought of the week for uh, this edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. It's a thought that's directly in line with uh, Passion Week, uh, leading right up into our Easter uh, celebration. So uh, remember to stick around for that. Uh, and uh, I know that this thought of the week is going to bless you. Remember to follow follow all of our social media accounts uh, for the show on Twitter at uh, TOL Radio Show, on Instagram at the TOL Radio Show, and on our Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash 
Thinking Out Loud radio show. There you can get all the information you need about our interviews and uh, other important info about the show. We're always making posts throughout the week uh, and we'll be doing more of those types of things. And feel free to leave comments and and uh, and posts on our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page. We want to hear from you. Feel free to give us your feedback and comments about the show and let us know what you think about the Thinking Out Loud radio show. In this week's current events spotlight, we open this week's current events spotlight talking about the highly anticipated interview with uh, porn star Stormy Daniels, who claims to have had an affair with uh, Donald Trump before he became president. The alleged affair took place back in 2006, and according to Karen McDougal, uh, another uh, another uh, individual that uh, claims to have had an affair with uh, Donald Trump. They both were engaged in an adulterous affair with Trump at the same time. Stormy Daniels has also indicated that uh, she was threatened by uh, Trump's attorney, Michael Cohen, that she would be sued if she continued telling her story and shortly after uh, he threatened her, she was also physically threatened by an unknown man in a parking lot. According to Ms. Daniels, uh, I was in a parking lot going to a fitness class with my infant daughter. And a guy walked up on me and said, leave Trump alone. Forget the story. And then he leaned around and looked at my daughter and said, that's a beautiful little girl. It'd be ashamed if something happened to her mom. Wow. And there and then he was gone. Stormy Daniels did an interview with In Touch magazine back in 2006 that wasn't published until I'm sorry 2011 that wasn't published until this January. She was supposedly offered uh $15,000 for the interview of which she never received, but uh, her best offer, according to reports, was from uh, for her story. Once a, once it became known, uh, she had the interview was from attorney Michael Cohen, who, according to reports, gave her one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in hush money. The story is important to you and us, not because of the affair. Uh, the country knew what kind of person Trump was, not just before he ran uh, uh, or was elected for president, but well before he ran and they still voted for him. Uh, and the part that that's the part that still boggles my mind. But it's the cover up that's extremely important to us. Where did the money come from and why was it so important to give her hush money when everyone knew this man's salacious reputation? This should all sound a bit familiar to us, particularly in Detroit, because we had something similar happen to a young promising political politician uh, known as Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick. Uh, who did not go to jail, let's be clear, who did not go to jail because of the affair with Christine Beatty. He went to jail because he lied about the fair affair in front of a federal grand jury. 
That's the reason he's in jail. In addition to a number of other charges that were filed against him for embezzlement and tax evasion and whatever, whatever. But remember, he went to jail primarily because he lied in front of a federal grand jury. And he was an attorney. He has a law degree. So he did know uh, how he was supposed to conduct himself in front of an interview in front of a federal grand jury. So to those who out there thinking that Kwame is in jail because of the illicit affair with Christine Beatty, not so. He went to jail because of because he lied about the affair uh, in uh, in federal court. That's the reason. Um, well, uh, we'll see if the same rules apply in the case of Stormy Daniels and President Trump, although this is not a, a, a case that's being tried in federal court. Right now, it's a case that's being tried in the court of public opinion. Uh, but the issue at hand is where did the $130,000 come from? Uh, Michael Cohen said it was separate from the Trump campaign, again, trying to distance the, ca the scandal from uh, the president. Uh, think for a minute. If this was President Barack Obama amidst this storm of controversy, storm, uh, no pun intended, uh, Congress would be holding impeachment hearings during Stormy Daniels' interview. Think about that for a minute. Well, we're going to continue to follow this story. I'm sure you're following it as well. We're continuing to follow the story surrounding the tragic death of Stephen Clark, who was shot 20 times in the back by two Sacramento police officers while in his own grandmother's backyard. Oh, my God. Another defenseless young black male cut down by the police. According to the Washington Post, the family of Stephen Clark is demanding criminal charges are filed against the two officers that are responsible for taking the life of this young man. On Sunday, March 18th at 925, Stephen Clark was killed in a hail of gunfire by two Sacramento police officers for suspicion of breaking in the cars that night. Comparisons have been made to other more violent crimes, and the perpetrators were taken un taken in under far less duress and controversy. For example, Nicholas Cruz, the gunman responsible for killing 17 people and wounding countless others at the Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, he was apprehended and arrested without one single shot being fired. And Stephen Clark was killed for what was believed to be a weapon that turned out to only be his cell phone. Mm, go figure. The officers responsible are both on administrative leave. We hope the justice is served in this case and that the family gets the peace and comfort they so desperately deserve. And finally, in other related news, we applaud the activism of our youth when it comes to the highly controversial subject of gun control. On Saturday, hundreds of thousands of young people took to the streets all over the country and the world. The official demonstration was held in Washington, D.C. with over 800 of the similar events and marches taking place around the country and the world. 
turnout was estimated between 1 to 2 million people in the United States, making it the largest demonstration in U.S. history. These are very significant numbers because whenever you want to get the attention of the power brokers in D.C., numbers matter. But something was said that I thought was extremely significant during CNN's simulcast of this event. Radio broadcaster, journalist, and personality Joe Madison said while being interviewed on CNN, time will only tell if this is just a moment or indeed a movement. In fact, he tweeted these sentiments out. I've said before, there's a difference between a movement and a moment. A movement requires sacrifice. If you sacrifice nothing, you have simply participated in a moment. Juxtaposing the March for Lives demonstration to the Civil Rights Movement where lives were sacrificed. Individual and collective freedoms were jeopardized. Much time and energy was devoted to the cause of ensuring equal rights were bestowed upon all Americans regardless of race, creed, or the color of their skin. One of the key components of a movement, in my opinion, is integrating voter registration mechanisms as a part of the marches. And, they were, and there were voter registration booths as a part of this massive demonstration all across the country. The youth are sending a direct message to Congress and the White House that if you don't want to pass comprehensive gun legislation to come November, we will make sure that we vote people in office that will. But I want you to hear from some of these young leaders tell their stories during Saturday's March for Our Lives events. Take a listen. Now is the time to come together, not as Democrats, not as Republicans, but as Americans. Now, they will try to separate us in demographics. They will try to separate us by religion, race, congressional district, and class. They will fail. You hear pops thinking they're fireworks. They weren't pops. You see the melanin on your brother's skin turn gray. Ricardo was his name. Can y'all say it with me? I urge everyone here and everyone who hears my voice to join me in telling the stories that aren't told. To honor the girls, the women of color who were murdered at disproportionate rates in this nation. People have said that I am too young to have these thoughts on my own. People have said that I am a tool of some nameless adult. It's not true. I'm here to represent the hundreds and the hundreds of thousands of students who live, in everyday, who live every day in constant paranoia and fear on their way to and from school. At this moment, please raise your hand if you have been affected by gun violence to honor the ones you have lost. Today, I raise, I raise my hand in honor of my twin brother, Zaire Kelly. Help us by screaming as loud as you can that we're tired of being forced under the rug. We're tired of seeing the faces of victims exposed on screens who were stolen from us too fast to even understand what and why it happened. So I need each and every one of you, no matter your age, to continue to fight 
alongside us because hearts cannot pump without blood and I don't want your community to join the ghastly inner circle that mine is now a part of. My grandfather had a dream that his four little children will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream that enough is enough. Six minutes and about 20 seconds. In a little over six minutes, 17 of our friends were taken from us, 15 were injured, and everyone, absolutely everyone, in the Douglas community was forever altered. Well, we're going to take our first break of the night, but when we come back, we're going to give you our interview with former state representative and 13th Congressional District candidate, the Honorable Chanel Jackson. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Hi, my name is Maya, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with radio show host and my daddy, Michael Nimmons. You better listen to that little girl. Looking for a professional tax and bookkeeping service? Then look no further than Consumer Tax Connect. This is a full-service preparation and bookkeeping service that prides itself on great customer service, professionalism, and getting results. Have tax returns that still need to be filed or getting audited or having issues with IRS? Call Consumer Tax Connect today at 248-395-0079. That's 248-395-0079. Consumer Tax Connect, a tax service designed with you in mind. The show featuring Colonel Bob Tillman and Sergeant Preston Jowers of the Tuskegee Airmen. God has blessed you to live uh, through 10 decades and, and be able to see things and experience life in a way that, that many of us will never experience. Catch it on iTunes, Google Play Music, or TuneIn. Young men, young black men, they have the greatest opportunity in the world to be anything you want to be. Some of us went through an awful lot just to help you. So please, take advantage of it. Mm. You're tuned in to the Out Radio Show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it Hi, I'm Michael Nimmons, Executive Director of the Vision Initiative, a nonprofit organization designed to give inner city and urban youth a new vision for themselves through mentorship programs, empowerment sessions, scholarships, and much more. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash The Vision Initiative and find out how to donate and become a mentor or volunteer. The Vision Initiative, opening the eyes of today's youth to new possibilities. Come join the vision. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio 
edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and I'm so happy to introduce a new friend of the show, very talented and inspirational person indeed. She's been a lifelong public servant, serving 13 years in state government, elected in 2006 to the Michigan State Legislature at 26 years old, becoming the youngest woman of color ever elected to serve in either chamber. Serving six years as a state rep for the 9th District. And some of the leadership positions she served include Associate Speaker Pro Tem, Executive Vice Chairman of the Michigan Legislative Black Caucus, Vice Chairman of the Detroit Delegation, House Appropriations Committee member, just to name a few. Her tenure also included a healthy list of legislative accomplishments that continue to make her stand out as the effective leader she's committed to being. She's now running for the 13th Congressional District and is looking for your support. It is my pleasure to introduce to some and present to others new friend of the show, the Honorable Miss Chanel Jackson. Welcome to the show, Miss Jackson. Hi, thank you so much. What a great introduction. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Well, again, we want to thank you for uh, being a guest on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And as we uh, like to do during our VIP segments is uh, to highlight individuals that are doing positive things in their community and making an impact. And so, uh, Chanel, tell us uh, your story. Tell us what got you involved in politics. Man, just really wanting to be a part of the change, a part of the hope uh, for our city. Um, you know, honestly, I tell this story all the time. When I was eight years old, I was uh, driving uh, from my house uh, which was in northwest Detroit, to my grandmother's house, which is right on the border of the city, uh, right inside of Southfield. And I remember asking um, my mother and, and grandmother, you know, why, why do the streetlights work where Nana lives, but they don't work where we live? And um, my grandmother said, oh, that's politics, honey. And I remember going to school, asking my social studies teacher, you know, what is politics? And, you know, always sort of hearing this answer from adults that politics was something that was uh, out of my reach. Um, it was okay for me to understand government, but uh, politics was just something that happened to me, not something that I could be involved in and, and effectively make a change in. And so, um, you know, very early just wanting to buck that and, and um, be somebody who, um, you know, through hard work and faith, could determine my own um, future, my own outlook, uh, determine what my own community should look like. And so, I, you know, when people say, well, what inspired you? Honestly, I think just living, living in our city and um, uh, watching some of the disparities and watching a lot of the positive things that happened over the course of my lifetime, too. But really um, wanting to show, show the world that Detroit could breed uh, its own strong, um, dedicated uh, leaders um, 
who have a vision for the way that our city and our region should look going forward. We uh, we love to hear uh, how people uh, made the decision to pursue uh, their chosen profession and we certainly can hear the passion in your voice as you talk about your story and how and what got you involved in politics. And uh, I'm sure those that are listening uh, are inspired by uh, by your story as well. Man, it is it. There's so much uh, energy and 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 drive in us as Detroiters. And I, you know, once we get focused on anything, um, and really Michiganders. But once we focus, we put our focus where we want, want it to be and, and, and we work towards the goal, I don't really think there's anything that we cannot accomplish. Uh, we, we usually win at whatever we pursue. Um, and so I'm just, um, you know, for me, that dream and, and that pursuit has always been about service to others and sort of leaving an indelible mark on my city, my community, um, where people can say, wow, you know, this is a person, she was an everyday person, but, you know, she was here. <laughs> she did a, um, uh, you know, in her lifetime, she she definitely left a mark uh, through her service and her advocacy uh, that has had an impact on uh, not only our community, not only our city, our state, but our nation and the world. And so that's, you know, that's my dream, and that's, that's what pushes me and inspires me. And I think that is truly remarkable. Uh, because, you know, you have a lot of people that uh, complain about the problem, uh, criticize the problem, but very few people uh, commit themselves to being a part of the solution. And that's what I hear uh, in your voice. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Chanel, tell us, uh, you know, what were some of the challenges that you face, you know, we introduced you and uh, we said that you were elected to the Michigan State Legislature back in 2006, 26 years old, the youngest black female to ever serve in either chamber. Uh, you know, what were some of the challenges that you faced uh, uh, being elected, uh, the youngest black female elected uh, as a state representative in Lansing? You know, it was, um, gosh, I mean, honestly, I don't even really know where to begin. God is so good. He really covered me and protected me um, through the experience and um, really things, things that were meant uh, uh, um, for my harm or for me not to be effective uh, ended up working out for my good. Uh, in the process because of him. And so I, I just, I really give God the glory as it comes, as it pertains to my challenges. But I guess, you know, um, if I had to say that the the, the, the the challenge that I think sort of overshadowed everything throughout my time was that my colleagues, um, Democrat, Republican, you know, whatever, uh, many of them I don't think had worked ever with a, a uh, young woman of color. Uh, many of them may not have ever worked with a woman of color at all, because we all come from the legislature to the legislature from different life experiences. Uh, and I'm not saying that that was all of them. And I'm not saying that that uh, 
um, are not having had that prior experience uh, meant that they were a racist or that they were sexist. It's just that they did not know what to expect. Um, and, and honestly, I had not had uh, that much professional experience uh, where I was an equal dealing with uh, white men, you know, Republican Party or, or Democratic Party. Um, it was that 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 remained a challenge, um, uh, sort of breaking their stereotypes and their 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 perspectives, because maybe they only had a couple of encounters. Uh, professionally with young women of color or maybe um, you know they only knew a couple of images that they've seen on television or you know what's perpetuated in the media and so um, really working to show them that I'm me that I'm an individual I'm not Oprah I'm not Beyonce uh, <laughs> I'm not um, you know the mad black woman I'm not amazing Michelle Obama I'm, I'm Chanel Jackson and um, you know um, um, flaws and all, and 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 great things about me too, but that uh, just like they had a space um, where they could um, deal with their other male colleagues, particularly other white male colleagues, uh, where they, where they gave them an opportunity to show who they were and to define themselves, um, I deserve that as well, and so. That was probably the most challenge, challenging thing, is, is sort of overcoming that and getting them accustomed. Because at, at the end of the day, I mean, whether the Democrats are in control or whether the Republicans are in control uh, in these political processes, you know, more often than not, it's a white male that is in control, whatever his party or his political um, affiliation. And so um, showing him... Uh, and even sometimes uh, um, white women, that I am distinct and, and unique just as they are uh, and that I deserve to be heard and I had earned my space at that table and that I didn't owe them anything uh, and that they were not higher than me. You know, our, we all got elected from a district that's the same size under the state's constitution, right? And so showing them, uh, getting their minds to get to that place, and I think I was pretty successful uh, by the time I was done. Uh, but that was the, the greatest challenge of the experience, and and I'm still learning. I mean, I now in my current endeavors and and I'm working in the private sector, I have um, I still have had some of those same challenges. But uh, you know, having dealt with it at such a young age in the legislature and being so focused on producing a quality product for my constituents, I think. I got a lot of lessons in and learned how to manage things that make me a better person today. So, but yes, that was that was the greatest challenge, and um, you know, constantly working to um, continue to grow um, in in that space as well. No, I believe that that is truly remarkable. Uh, you know, this being Women's History Month, we've heard about the inequities that women face, particularly black women uh, in corporate America and the entertainment industry and the political arena and elsewhere. And we've even interviewed several uh, women on our show that have experienced these inequities and have learned how to turn uh, those challenges into opportunities, have actually learned how to overcome them. And I believe that is the real mark of a true leader 
of whatever profession you have chosen for you to take uh, those challenges and obstacles that you face and not use them as a reason to quit, but you've actually turned those obstacles into opportunities. No question. Absolutely. That's, that is, um, you know, I'm from, <laughs> we all are, I think, um, uh, again, and I'm talking about, you know, the families that I touch and see every day. You know, we are from, um, you know, we've got a lineage as Detroiters, as um, Western Wayne County sort of people. You know, we, we're tough. We're strong. We come from um, lines of folks, and this is whether, you know, no matter your race, when you look at the history and the statistics uh, and, and the data around the people who came to Michigan um, to work. Uh, my relatives came here in the 40s. Um, and the things that they came through, whether you, you know, whether you came, you know, first over um, from Eastern Europe, uh, through Ellis Island in New York, and found your way over to Detroit to work in the automotive industry, whether you came from the South, um, you know, fought your way through the South oppression, uh, that kind of oppression to get here for a better life for your family. Either way, whatever your race is, if you're descended from people uh, from this region, I mean, we're pretty tough. And so I took that spirit to the legislature. And, um, you know, I was not going to allow uh, their perceptions or misperceptions to, to, to derail the plan, which was to pass positive, uh, strong, comprehensive, uh, impactful legislation for the people uh, that I represented. But um, it, it absolutely was a challenge because, um, you know, it, 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 it's an additional layer of work and an additional layer of, 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 um, uh, of just things that you have to work to, to champion and, and, and triumph over while you're still doing the job that it is that you were, you know, sent up there to do. I am thankful um, for the lessons that I learned and that I was able to overcome those challenges, you know, by faith and just through that determination. But, you know, I'm tough. And um, so I, I would have I would have um, been disappointed in myself if I wasn't able to overcome those things. <laughs> well, I can sense that you're tough. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to convince my daughter of that. Now, she don't believe it. Uh, she is a great, great, great girl, and motherhood is just another facet of my life that I think is, is, is has prepared me, and is con every single day I learn a new lesson uh, that I think is going to um, help me in, in, in this congressional experience uh, when I get elected to be our next congresswoman. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Hi, I'm Michael Nimmons, Executive Director of the Vision Initiative, a nonprofit organization designed to give inner city and urban youth a new vision for themselves through mentorship programs, empowerment sessions, scholarships, and much more. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash The Vision Initiative and find out how to donate and become a mentor or volunteer. The Vision Initiative, opening the eyes of today's youth to new possibilities. Come join The Vision.
it's their birthday and need a gift for that special someone, then call KCN Designs and sit back and smile. KCN Designs specialize in custom-made all-occasion baskets that are sure to make that special someone smile. Call KCN Designs today at 248-820-3691 and order your custom basket today. Hi, my name is Maya, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with radio show host and my daddy, Michael Nimmons. You better listen to that little girl. I'm Kevin Merida, Senior Vice President of ESPN. Happy to be on Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Miss the show featuring Hollywood red carpet reporter and best-selling author Tizzy Taylor. I want to really get your thoughts on uh, kind of what's going on with the Me Too movement in Hollywood. Catch it on iTunes, Google Play Music, or tune in. Uh, with regarding the Me Too movement, I think it's um, very brave individuals for the women to come forth and to share their stories and to talk about what they went through. Um, She was a very traumatic experience. My heart goes out to those individuals and I applaud Hollywood for the the stance that they've taken. So I applaud everybody who's a part of it and using their voice to effect change because something has to be done. This behavior must not continue. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. I know you are enjoying our interview with 13th Congressional District Candidate, the Honorable Chanel Jackson. Let's get back into our interview with this dynamic young woman. So, Chanel, tell us what are some of your proudest moments serving in the state legislature in Lansing, Michigan? Well, I'm proud of, you know, mostly... Most, I'm most proud of all of the laws uh, that I was able to move. Um, you know, I, I come from, I was, I was telling somebody this yesterday, you know, I think in, in Detroit, certainly we've had um, some good policymakers, um, you know, since we started electing um, policymakers of color um, back in, I think the first one was in the 1880s, but but really where we sort of really picked up and consistently started electing lawmakers of color um, around the uh, 1950s, we've had some good policymakers. But I think for most of my life, uh, as just a student of politics, somebody who has you know degrees in this and who enjoys it and studying it, we've had a lot of what I like to call sort of bullhorn kind of leaders. Um, and, and those are the people that can get on and they can motivate people and they can, you know, get people to rally and they can, uh, you know, shake the trees, um, so to speak. You know, there is a space for that. You know, I'll be honest with you. Previously, I didn't I didn't have as much respect for that as I now do. You know, I now have. But for me, 
I, I sort of, you know, got in this wanting to not be one of those bullhorn leaders, but to be uh, what I like to call sort of a visionary, a person who can have a vision um, based on the things that I've learned from my community, the things that I've lived and the things that I live every day and the things that I've studied you know, sort of combining um, all of those avenues and, and come up with a vision and a plan and then effectively implement it to produce a legislative result. And so I, I'm proud that I was able to really walk in that space. And so I have 14 laws that are on the books in the state of Michigan um, right now, and um, some of them uh, are first of their kind state laws in the whole United States. Um, the ones that I'm, you know, thinking of in particular are uh, laws that I did on uh, the mortgage loan industry, basically creating uh, mechanisms where um, mortgage companies had to, before foreclosing on a property, they had to attempt to renegotiate the loan and, and work uh, to keep that homeowner in their house. Uh, my law, Laws, there's actually two or three of them that are in this package that did mortgage reform uh, in the state of Michigan. The first, first state law uh, to put that on the books uh, in, in the United States. So I'm proud of that. Um, you know, I passed laws that um, empowered uh, or allowed the implementation of President Obama's um, education policies. Um, that, that he was able to move on a federal level, right? So there were things that money and, 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 and revenue that he wanted to send to Michigan, but we had to have a legal mechanism for accepting that. And so was able to pass the laws that opened up that and, and, and became that legal mechanism. I passed laws to protect renters um, and, and to make sure that they receive notice um, uh, under the law, that they receive notice when the property that they lived in uh, was was in foreclosure, whether it was tax foreclosure or, or mortgage foreclosure. Because I don't know if you remember, but there were a lot of renters who were displaced during the mortgage um, crisis because their landlords were continuing to accept rent, which under the law they could. Um, um, but they didn't give any notice to the um, – they didn't have to give any notice to the renter. Even though you have to continue to pay rent, under the law, um, I, you know, I, I let me inform you that I'm under, I'm, I'm, I'm right now dealing with a process uh, that might result in foreclosure, and so that's the law that mandates that, um, so that that family can prepare. You know, um, just a bunch of to me, you know, quality everyday uh, uh, laws that are substantive that are helping people to this day, and so you know, the, the, that's probably what I'm most proud of being able to accomplish. Um, you know, as a as a lawmaker, is actually making policy and having it, getting it. You know, working with Republicans and Democrats to get those laws passed, to get them to the governor's desk, to get them signed, and to to actually have them on the books and impacting people's lives. I want to add to that real fast. You know, one of the moments that beyond like you know the actual work of policy making um, that I'm really really proud of. Because I've, I've recognized in my life that I was one of these kids, but just people in general, uh, but particularly children, they need sort of visual examples of things so that they can be inspired. Um, and so I'm really proud to have been um, elected uh, by my colleagues or selected by my colleagues, uh, voted on by them to serve as our associate speaker pro temp. So with them 
choosing me to do that. Basically, if you go to Michigan's legislative uh, channel right now, uh, and they're playing session in the Michigan House of Representatives, you'll see somebody acting as speaker, you know, basically running the session. Well, I'm the mm-hmm. second African-American woman, really second woman of color uh, in the history of the state of Michigan to do that. And so, so when they turn on, those kids turn on TV, they will see uh, African-American woman uh, running session. Um, choosing which bills were going to be addressed and when they were going to be addressed and choosing which lawmakers could speak and uh, uh, just, you know, operating within the policies and procedures, uh, running the session uh, under the policies and procedures of of the, the the laws of the Michigan House of Representatives. And so that, that was huge for me. And it wasn't just ceremonial, so I didn't just do it like every blue moon. Uh, because of the politics that were happening um, in Michigan at that time, and, and some of this is a little bit of inside baseball, but because of what um, was happening, the the elected speaker pro tem, so she was the woman who would normally, under the rules, be the one to do it every day. She often would um, would would step back and say, "Hey, I don't want to do it for political reasons. Maybe she didn't want to take control of the Republicans or whatever because of the way her district was designed." and a lot to that. Long story short, they would go to her deputies, to her assistants, and I was one of them. Literally, everybody would say no. They would say, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be seen on TV, you know, um, being super aggressive or super assertive uh, to Republicans. And so by the time they would get to me, because I was the lowest ranking one, I would say, yeah, I'll do it. Once they saw me um, being willing to step up and answer the call of duty, um, what happened was they would have to come to me very often because we were doing these really controversial things uh, that required some toughness. And a lot of my colleagues weren't willing to step up and be tough. And so, uh, when, you, so when you're talking about um, basically um, holding Republicans accountable for uh, shutting down state government, that speaker who's running that session, they got to be willing to yell. They got to be willing to object. They've got to be willing to say, you know, your time's up, your time's up. Nope, nope. Um, you know, they've got to be willing to be yelled at. That It's, it's really uh, a complicated and tough sort of experience. And because they saw that I was able to do that, and then I would do it for 10 and 12 hours straight. And this is when, back when you used to read about the Michigan legislature being in session from 1 p.m. to... 1 a.m. or 1 p.m. to 4 a.m. with me sharing. And so I'm proud of those moments. Uh, I really am. And so I just needed to add that because um, policymaking is first, but then also being able to really make history while I was there um, for our kids and for us, uh, man, that was huge for me. Wow, that is truly awesome. Uh, just hearing that history lesson, I wasn't even aware of uh, the history of the Michigan legislature and um, and I'm sure there are listeners out there that are probably uh, probably were not aware of that as well uh, so we truly appreciate uh, being um, you know just being uh, informed about the uh, Michigan State Legislature in this uh, Woman's History VIP edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We can truly hear your passion uh, for what you do and your commitment to what you do. And it just leads me to my next question. Um, you know, this um, 
uh, regarding the 13th Congressional District, you know, this district has been occupied by the Honorable Congressman Congress for 52 years. And uh, now that this seat has become vacant, it is considered a free-for-all in some respects. So, Chanel, tell us what makes you the best candidate to fill this highly sought-after uh, seat. So, you know, I, I think what makes me the best candidate is... You know, ultimately, I mean, there's, there's a few things. So first, you've got this person who, in me, who is somebody who has been effective doing legislative work previously. So, you know, some of the other people who are running in this race, you know, God bless them. Everybody is a good person. Let me lead with that. Nobody in this, you know, uh, is has a negative uh, spirit or, or, or would be really a detriment to us. But ultimately, you know, you've got some folks in there who have been elected or who are currently elected who have been those bullhorn kind of leaders, right? They can rally people and get them excited and all of that. But there are very few of them who have been able to actually move policy. So to move policy, right, to bring home the results, to bring home the bacon, that's money back to the constituency from the federal government, or at least in my case at the time, from the state government. I mean, that's huge because our city, our region needs resources, all the cities within our um, our, our congressional district. Um, you know, that's different than that sort of bullhorn, rally the troops kind of lawmaker, right? They're those kind of people who can shake the trees, but then they're those people who can get in the room and actually produce the result. That's what I've done. Um, so, so I think you've got that aspect that makes me, um, you know, honestly, I believe the strongest one. Uh, I've got a record, a proven history of, of being effective enough to get policy to the executive's desk and then get it signed into law. That's something that, 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 that most of those folks can't do or have not done, at least. Secondly, You've got now this experience with me in the private sector. So when I came, I, I work now as a director of government relations for the Ambassador Bridge Company. So I work for the Maroon family. And the first thing I said to them when they made me this offer and they asked me to come over, it's been almost four years now, to come over and work for them, I said I need to be able to do two things. Because obviously I was aware of some of the negative imagery around um, uh, the patriarch of the Maroon family, uh, Maddie Maroon. And I ended up learning some, you know, most of it was not valid, but certainly some of it, um, you know, he's a person, he's made mistakes, some of it was valid. That said, I said to them, listen, before I come on, I need to know that I am able to uh, direct resources to lawmakers, um from this region, most of them will be Democrats because, you know, I, again, I, I run their government relations. Um, and they had had this history of, of, of being a, a company that uh, at least was appeared to only sub the agendas of Republican lawmakers. I said, that won't do under me. I need to be able to help Democratic lawmakers on the state, federal, and local level uh, be able to work towards um, their uh, political and policy goals for folks in this region, right? And many of those people are people of color. And they said, absolutely, we will empower you to do that. I said, secondly, I need to be able to put Detroiters 
and people from Wayne County to work within our companies. So while I work for the bridge company under the Maroon family, they've got several uh, interests in several companies from development to um, to uh, building to transit and trucks. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Central Transport or Universal Transport. Uh, they've got all of these companies that have presence in 48 states across the country. Uh, we've got 3,000 employees here in Southeast Michigan alone. And so I said, listen, I need to be able to put Detroiters to work uh, in those jobs. I need to be able to put people from Wayne County to work. Um, I need to get you guys to fund programming that does job training for people in those communities. Uh, and they said, absolutely, we're, we're with you. We'll go with you there. Um, there's nobody else in this race who will be able to say or who can say that they were a change agent in the public sector. You know, 13 years I worked in government uh, as a staffer, uh, then as a lawmaker, and then at the Michigan Department of Transportation helping implement the new Regional Transit Authority. But then also in the private sector, I've come over to a company that has uh, historically had a negative um, uh, reputation uh, of service, whether it was deserved or not deserved, that was the perception of them, and really fundamentally taking the reins to change that. And not only change it in public, you know, in, in public relations, but change it on the ground and getting people employed, um, getting people working. You know, we've got a project uh, in the I-94 industrial complex. Uh, you've heard Mayor Duggan talk about this uh, a bunch of times. This is, I think, the third state of the state, state of the city where he brought it up. Uh, we've got this, this complex uh, where we used Detroit-based contractors to help build the facility. But then once the facility got built and we started um, running, so what the, what the facility does is it runs uh, products for GM, Chrysler, and Ford uh, through it. Um, uh, different uh, pieces for cars and all of that come through this facility. Well, I said to our company, we need to make sure that project is in the heart of the east side of Detroit. We need people from this community working in that facility. And so I led the charge in our company to partner with uh, Detroit City Councilman Scott Benson, Detroit uh, now um, pro tem, uh, Mary Sheffield, who who both, you know, sort of border that area. Also Councilman Tate, who was on the whole other side of the city, but said, hey, my people need jobs too. Well, we did job fairs in all three of those districts. And today our company of the people that work there, 85% of those people are Detroiters, right? So there's nobody else who will be able to say every aspect of their career, every aspect of their service, they've been a change agent and they've produced results. That's what I've done, and that's why I'm the best candidate. And I believe that's why I deserve the support of the voters, and I'll continue to work and earn it. I'm going to take that same spirit of being a change agent and a person who can move policy, a person who can change minds, a person who can make things happen. I'm going to take that to D.C. and produce results for us there as well. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. I'm Michael Nimmons, Executive Director of the Vision Initiative, a nonprofit organization designed to give inner city and urban youth a new vision for themselves through mentorship programs, empowerment sessions, scholarships, and much more. 
just go to facebook.com forward slash the vision initiative and find out how to donate and become a mentor or volunteer the vision initiative opening the eyes of today's youth to new possibilities come join the vision Then look no further than Consumer Tax Connect. This is a full-service preparation and bookkeeping service that prides itself on great customer service, professionalism, and getting results. Have tax returns that still need to be filed or getting audited or having issues with IRS? Call Consumer Tax Connect today at 248-395-0079. That's 248-395-0079. Consumer Tax Connect, a tax service designed with you in mind. Former State Representative Chanel Jackson, candidate for U.S. Congress in the 13th District. And you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. So you are enjoying this interview with the Honorable Chanel Jackson. Let's hear the conclusion of this interview with this dynamic young woman. So there you have it. Uh, I, I know you are enjoying uh, this interview. Those that are listening as much as I am. We have the Honorable Chanel Jackson on the Women's History VIP edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And she has just laid out her resume and indicated that she is the most qualified person to fill this vacant seat for the 13th Congressional District. Um, so now that you've laid out your resume and let us know that you're the most qualified uh, person to fill this vacant seat for the 13th Congressional District, tell us what uh, you're going to do. Uh, what are going to be your plans when you get to Washington? You know, there's a lot of things going on in Washington. Uh, you know, the House and uh, the Senate both are uh, led by the Republicans. And, of course, we have, you know, uh, this narcissistic, egotistical, misogynistic, racist uh, every other and sexist, every other ism you can think of in office. Uh, so you got a lot, a lot of things, a lot of challenges. Uh, face you're faced with right out the gate. So tell our listeners what are your plans when you get to Washington, particularly for the 13th district. So, uh, thank you for that question. Uh, the so there's two 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 sets of answers to that two two 
segments of things that I need to say real fast. So as a person who is really on the ground with us, right, and I'm living our struggles as well, the stuff we deal with, high insurance and just high cost of living and, you know, all of these things that we deal with here, my first inclination just as a policymaker and a person who thinks in terms of policy, my, 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 my honest, honestly, my first and genuine answer, my first intention would be to work towards getting the resources that we need from the appropriations process, um, from the Ways and um, Means Committee, from the Appropriations Committee, uh, to fix some of the issues that we're dealing with here um, among the working uh, middle class and what I like to call the working poor. So basically what we have going on in this region is you've got about, gosh, nearly 50%, and this is according to the United Way. This is not Chanel's facts. Uh, anybody can go online and look this up. Uh, it's called the ALICE Report, A-L-I-C-E Report. And I don't have it in front of me, so I don't want to tell you because ALICE is a long term what it really means. But look that up. But basically the ALICE Report suggests that in 2017, in Wayne County alone, you've got nearly 50%, I think it's 47% of families who are living, uh, basically um, barely being able to make ends meet, working poor technically, okay, or they are officially poor. So when you combine the people who officially cannot, uh, you know, are under the poverty line, the federal poverty standards, coupled with the people who are above that, but simply cannot afford to live, they can't buy basic necessities, we're at almost 50%. Well, what that report found was that there are things that the federal government can do uh, to help resolve that. So first, we can work on um, strengthening the earned income tax credit on the federal level, right, uh, so that people that are the working poor uh, can can be able to keep some more of their money instead of these crazy tax cuts that we're seeing for uh, the wealthy and, you know, praying that these companies pour down uh, jobs and, and some of what they say uh, back into their, um, into, into to the, the pockets of the people that work for them. Instead of only doing that, and there is a space for that, don't get me wrong, there are things that can be done to help the working poor and the poor and the struggling middle class, and so that's one of them. That, that I'll go there to immediately start to work to tackle. The second thing is, you know, we, we've really got to do something about the cost of child care. You know, most of these families, what this report found was, on average, child care is costing families, gosh, um, upwards of $1,000 a month. And I know that I'm a living witness. I'm paying more than $1,000 a month in child care. And between that, student loans, high auto insurance, and all of these things, I, you know, I'm, I barely have enough to save a little bit for my daughter uh, the way that I would like to, right? And so imagine families, and I've got a good salary, thank God. So imagine these folks who are, are above the poverty line, right, but they're li like my cousins and, and some of my friends, but who are still making less than $15 an hour or just 15 You know, this report found that, to be honest with you, to live in southeast Michigan, uh, to live in western Wayne County or Detroit, and be financially stable, not rich, but be able to afford what you need to live and still put a little bit up in savings, you've got to be making at least $20 an hour. There are mm -hmm. virtually no jobs 
that are paying that, according to this study. And so what I will do, you know, my natural inclination is to go to D.C. and immediately tackle some of those issues. So whether it's a greater tax credit for child care, um, whether we uh, figure out new mechanisms, uh, I'll be glad to work through the Appropriations Committee through some, and partner with some of my colleagues from across the country that are dealing with some of these same issues to figure out innovative uh, ways to address basically what I think is the greatest problem uh, that our nation and certainly this district is facing, and that is ultimately a future where our kids are not going to do better than their parents. Uh, that's got to change. Detroit has always been, this region has always been the place where people could come to do better, right? You could come and get a job here, uh, whether it was in government at the Postal Service like my grandparents and my mother, or the factory like my daddy, or, you know, some of these other folks, and, and really work and do better, know your children. You could at least earn enough money to make sure, okay, when the economy changes, all right, well, at least I can send them to college and help out with loans or whatever. That's not the case anymore. People can barely afford food and necessities, uh, let alone a savings to help their kid go to college. And then the third component that this report brought out was refocusing on education. And this really hit, hit me hard. I'm serious, and I'm not just saying it that somebody running for office. This hit me hard, what I'm about to say. Basically, if you don't have... In, in, in Michigan, but this is actually national too, but in the state of Michigan right now, if we continue on this trend, this will be just the future. If you don't have a bachelor's degree, you're basically debt or, or a technical certificate, right? So, so, so some kind of special, specialization in some field, you are basically um, um, destined in the natural to a life of poverty or working poor. Just statistically, where all the jobs are uh, um, that can get you out of um, uh, being struggling or being in the struggling um, working class or being poor, you've got to have all of those jobs, 80% of them now are requiring either a technical degree or a bachelor's degree. People can't afford to pay for that. Uh, and, um, I mean, really pretty much we're saying, you know what, 50, 60, 70% of you all, it's okay for you to live in poverty or near poverty. That's not acceptable for me. And so we need federal programming that will help our state and really states around the country uh, pay for quality public uh, K through college education. All right, guys, there you have it. She has laid out her resume and her plan. So uh, we are excited, again, to have uh, the Honorable uh, Chanel Jackson candidate for the 13th Congressional District on the Women's History VIP edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I know there are some of you that are listening that might be interested in volunteering for uh, candidate Chanel Jackson's campaign uh, for the 13th Congressional District. So tell us, how can someone that's interested in volunteering uh, join your campaign? So Election Day is August 7th, and I hope that everybody in the 13th Congressional District goes for Chanel Jackson, Chanel Jackson for Congress, and then our website will be live 
very soon. My technical people that are working with me, God bless them. I love them so much, but they keep pushing me back uh, <laughs> with the date, but they just want everything to be perfect. Um, but there's a lot about me on my Facebook page. Um, we've got about 10,000 people that are following that, which has been a total blessing. I listen. I actually respond. Uh, but the website will be ChanelJackson.com, and it'll be live very soon. And, and we also will be up on TV and, um, and all of that before this thing is said and done. Well, there you have it, guys. We have truly heard from a very inspirational person indeed, and the person of the Honorable uh, Chanel Jackson. We want to thank you for being on this Woman History VIP edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. You are truly, truly an inspirational and amazing person indeed. And we wish you nothing but the best in your bid to fill this vacant seat for the 13th Congressional District. You tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Miss the show featuring Christian rapper and poet Ty Scott King. Tell us about your new single, Concrete. This song, Concrete, for, for anyone who's ever felt like they're not good enough. You know, I, I came up from the concrete. Like, that's, so I know what it's like to feel like, oh man, where I come from might limit where I can go. Catch it on iTunes, Google Play Music, or tune in. I've got a good foundation. Enjoy the show? Leave a comment on the Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook.com slash Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Share the episode. Subscribe to the podcast. Facebook about it. Tweet about it. Instagram about it. Make the show a part of your weekly routine. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Michael Eric Dyson, and when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Hi, I'm Michael Nimmons, Executive Director of the Vision Initiative, a nonprofit organization designed to give inner city and urban youth a new vision for themselves through mentorship programs, empowerment sessions, scholarships, and much more. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash The Vision Initiative and find out how to donate and become a mentor or volunteer. The Vision Initiative, opening the eyes of today's youth to new possibilities. Come join The Vision. (laughs) 
You tuned in to the Feeding All Out Radio Show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. It's time, 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 time. For the Feeding All Out Radio Show, Thought of the Week. Our thought for this most sacred of weeks as we move into the Easter season. This week is known in most religious circles as Passion Week. And our thought comes from Matthew the 27th chapter verse number 17 where Pontius Pilate, the governor of Rome, queried the people with probably one of the most important questions in human history. In Matthew 27 and 17 it reads, Therefore when they are gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye have me release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? A very compelling question that this governor asked the people to consider. Release Barabbas, a known criminal, or Jesus, who is called Christ? During this Holy Week, this is a question that all of us must consider. Barabbas for many of us represents everything that is wrong with the world. The violence, the degradation, the gluttonous behavior, our inane selfishness and desire for self-gratification and aggrandizement, our narcissistic and sadistic proclivities are constantly on display. In fact, the prolific psalmist David professes in the 37th Psalm verse 31, I have seen the wicked in power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Here David is describing the boisterous and pompous nature of the inherently wicked and how they unashamedly flaunt themselves, their wealth and their bad behavior and their bad judgment in front of everyone. There's a boldness about this 21st century Barabbas that is incredible. What used to be done in the dark is now done in broad daylight. What used to be done in the closet is now done right out in the open. Everyone knew the Barabbas was a criminal. It was no secret what his sinister occupation was. Everyone knew he was a womanizer. Everyone knew he was a liar. Everyone knew he grabbed women by the genitals. In fact, the people heard him say it and they still voted for him. I feel like I'm describing someone that everybody knows. And yet, knowing him, knowing his proclivities, knowing his propensities, knowing his shortcomings, knowing his faults, knowing his downfalls, still did not preclude or dissuade the people from choosing him. Yes, the people chose the person they wanted. The people chose the person they thought was better. The people chose the person they thought was greater only to discover they didn't know what they were doing all along. The great part about this story is that Jesus never held the people's choice against him. Jesus never punished the people for choosing a criminal over him. In fact, the words he uttered from the cross capsulize his utmost desires for the people. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus continued to show compassion for a people that could care less about him. What a tremendous testament to his undying love for us. So today... 
this week, this holiest of weeks, what will your answer be to the most important question in history? The most important question you will ever be asked. Ironically, the question and the answer is entirely up to you. Give us Barabbas or give me Jesus. to give special thanks to former state rep and 13th congressional district candidate the honorable chanel jackson for being on our official woman histories month vip edition of the thinking out loud radio show we truly enjoy talking with her and listening to her share her experiences about her tenure in public service and the private sector. Remember, if you if you are interested in volunteering for our campaign, just go to her Facebook page and get all the info you need there. Or her website should be up pretty soon, and that, that is ChanelJackson.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-L-L-E. J-A-C-K-S-O-N dot com ChanelJackson.com Next week is our birthday show. That's right. It is our birthday. And we de- we are definitely excited about that and we'll be giving you more details the closer we get to it. But mark your calendars for our birthday show on next Tuesday, April the 3rd. Our birthday is, a- birthday is actually April 1st, which is also Easter Sunday, but we plan to celebrate all month. That's how you do when you uh when you get up there. <laughs> Chapter 42. We've got a few things we're working on for the month of uh, April, and uh, believe me, you'll be the first to know. You got to keep listening and following the show. Uh, so stay tuned for next week. It's definitely a show you don't want to miss. And thank you again to the listeners of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We truly appreciate you listening to us, whether it's at 8 p.m. on Tuesday or you're listening to the podcast. We appreciate you just the same. And so until next time, next week, Tuesday, doing our birthday show, always remember, if you think it, then you can believe it. If you believe it, then you can see it. If you can see it, then you can be it. If you can be it, then you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Be sure to support all of our show sponsors. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or tune in. Want to book Michael Nimmons for a speaking engagement? book signing or corporate event send an email to contact at michaelnimmons.org be sure to follow show on all of his social media accounts on twitter at tol radio show on instagram at the tol radio show and on our facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud radio are you an entrepreneur and want to advertise Become a Thinking Out Loud radio show partner. 
send an email to Thinking Out Loud Radio Show at gmail.com. We have some affordable advertising packages just for you. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Thank you.